everyone! Before we start, I wanted to let you know, if you would like to watch our whole service, head to our website, that's dc2.me, and from the media drop-down, click Sermons. You can watch our whole service there. And now, here's this week's sermon. So I've got some really fun news for us this morning. Um, this morning's service, uh, we actually have a sponsor um, for today, and the one agreement with the sponsor was that we show one of their latest products, um, and so, without further ado, I just wanted you to know, today is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. Uh, check this out. Isn't it amazing how much of our world is powered by something so small? There are a million uses for these little wonders. Well, make that a million and one. Introducing the Mercedes AA class. The first fully electric luxury sedan powered entirely by AA batteries. No more plugs, no more charging stations, just 9,648 AA batteries. Zero emissions, lifetime drivetrain warranty, and a top speed of 52 miles per hour. A touchscreen in the center console keeps you constantly informed of each battery's power level. You'll know a battery's dying before it's dead. In three miles, replace, replace battery, battery 60, 60, battery 980, You can replace them individually or all at once with the ribbon release auto dump feature. Mercedes AA class luxury sedan. Batteries not included. Yeah, that's special thanks to our friends over at Saturday Night Live. We don't sell memberships uh, and sponsorships here at Discovery. Um, man, uh, sometimes that cars with my life feels like. Uh, I don't know if, if you're the same, but that, that last line, battery's not included. Um, or I, my particular favorite, I love this scene where the touch screen comes up and it's like, oh, you need to replace batteries. And, and you just feel this like tension of we need to keep this thing going. How do we keep this thing fueled? And the older I get, the more that I continue to wonder if I have enough batteries or if I have the right batteries or when I began life, if batteries were even included to begin with. What am I supposed to do? And, and I think I wonder about where does value come from? Where, where, how, do I, how do I know what's right and what's wrong? Like the older I get, the more complicated these things become. And it's almost like somebody just gifted me this beautiful car and then said right before they left, by the way, batteries not included. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. And I think if I'm really honest, my spiritual life can feel like this sometimes. There's been times that I just kind of feel like, man, there's got to be more. Am I running out of something that I had? Am I just becoming aware of something that was never there to begin with? And where do I get what I need to go where I feel like I'm being invited to go? And ultimately, at the end of it all, I think the fundamental question is, what's the source of life? Where is this thing that we all need to move? And, and what's the point of all this? How do you answer that? 
what are the batteries to this thing? What, what do you long for in life? What do you long for right now? Do you have all that you need to get there? There's lots of ways to answer that, and I just want you to know, if this is your first time being at Discovery, this is a place where we would say, man, no matter what you believe, you belong here. And you can answer that question any number of ways. But regardless of your answer, sometimes life can feel like an EV car. It's awesome. But especially as you age, the batteries can start to run low, or you start to realize maybe you just never had them. And would you say that your spiritual life, if you just zone in on that, would you say that that's a part of life where you go, batteries included? Or would you say, I'm not sure? Or would you say, right now, man, batteries not included? Today, in this time, we're just going to seek God's answer to some of that question. What does he say is the source of life right now, like today? What does he say about this longing that we all seem to have? And as we dig into that today, we're just going to continue on in our series in the book of Acts. Today we find ourselves in Acts 18, and we find a young man who's looking for batteries. Is a brand new character, somebody that we've not met yet. Actually, we've got a few new folks that we're going to be meeting today. Let's meet them. I'm going to introduce you to a couple first. They're super cool. Their names are Aquila and Priscilla. And here's their story as we kick off just the first eight verses of Acts 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And there he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come to Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Okay, there's a lot of names and a lot of geography that was just covered there. Here's what you need to know. Aquila is a guy, he's Jewish, he grew up in Turkey. He immigrated to Italy, but it turns out that as this new um, group of people called Christians is popping up, the emperor in Rome is not super keen on these folks, particularly if you're Jewish. And so we now have a political, spiritual, religious refugee on our hands, Aquila and his wife Priscilla. That's who you just met. Paul went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and they worked together. By trade, they were tent makers. Priscilla and Aquila, Jewish folks, grew up in Turkey, went to Italy to make Italian tents because we're bougie if we're in Italy. And he meets them and says, hey, I make tents too. That's my side hustle. Let's do this together. Every Sabbath, Paul would argue in the synagogue and would try to convince Jews and Greeks When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with proclaiming the word, testifying to Jews that the Messiah was Jesus. So now we also get Paul's two buddies, Silas and Timothy. They roll in. They seem to like jump in on the tent making business. And because of that, Paul's like, okay, I'm just going to go down and I'm just going to talk with people all the time about Jesus. That's cool. When they opposed and reviled him, these Jews and these Greeks, in protest, he shook the dust from his clothes and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent, but from now on, I will go to the Gentiles. He he left the synagogue and went to the house of a man named Titus Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. (laughs) He literally just walks around the block. Crispus, the official of the synagogue, became a believer in the Lord together with all his household, And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul became believers and were baptized. So Paul has rolled into town, in this town of Corinth. It's a port town. There's a lot of activity that's happening there. 
And he just starts to put down roots. We'll find out in a little bit um, in a part that we're not going to read through. For 18 months, Paul just sets up shop, making tents and talking with people in the town of Corinth. And as he does, there's some Jewish people that, that start responding to that message, but for the most part, the Jewish people really, like, they're not okay with Paul and what Paul's doing. And it gets to the, the point, this boiling point, where they arrest him, they grab him, they, they take him in front of the town official, the governor. They say, this guy's just causing trouble all the time, punish him. And the governor effectively washes his hands and says, I want nothing to do with this, you guys handle it. And so they beat the snot out of Paul. And if there's something in your mind that's like, this sounds familiar, this would also be the story of Jesus. Grabbed by a group of people, brought before a governor who said, I want nothing to do with this, beaten within an inch of his life. So all these images, sometimes we get around Easter time of like a really bloodied Jesus, a suffering Jesus. I just want you to, to begin picturing Paul almost equally bloodied. We don't have a crown of thorns. We don't have whips. But we do have a dude who's been beaten within an inch of his life, wrongfully accused for what he's done. Can you picture Paul in your mind right now? I just got into town. I'm just trying to, like, invest in some people. I just got beaten up. You would think that he'd want to just split and be like, okay, I'm done with this place. He sticks in for another 18 months. And this couple that he just met, it seems like they just do life together. For 18 months just in Corinth, they lived together. Can you imagine the stories and the life that they would have shared with each other? What would they have heard? Well, they would have heard Paul's story. And if you've never heard Paul's story, Paul was a dude who spent most of his young adult years killing Christians because he was a super Jewish person. And he hated how this Christian group of people was changing the faith of his fathers, his, his culture. They were messing up everything. So he became an assassin. And in the midst of assassination attempts, many of them successful, he was on his way to a town one day when he was literally struck blind by a voice that said, I am Jesus. Why are you hurting me? Here's what I want you to do. Go to this town. You're going to meet this guy. His name's Ananias. He's going to heal you, and then he's going to tell you what's next. <laughs> Pretty wild story. And I'm sure if you're Aquila and Priscilla, you're hearing all this like, what on earth? This guy is either like on some crazy LSD stuff, or there's something different about his story. They would hear more stories than that. He would have told them about this moment that happened called Pentecost. And again, if you've been here hearing through this book of Acts, what's going on? It was this moment where, where the world shifted, where the worship of God went from he is out there somewhere, or Jesus was with us, but he has left us for now, and became very much a God is in us and amongst us and working through us. Pentecost was a moment where the Holy Spirit came into the world and came into people and became a significant part of how we operate. They, he would have told them that story. He would have told them about the purpose of life, that the whole story. If you're Jewish, you would have known it by heart. But if you're not Jewish, he would have taken you back and said, well, once upon a time, the world was formless and void. There was nothing there. But God made a man. He named him Adam. And it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. So he made this woman. Her name is Eve. Oh. And together, it was magic. Not together, just the two of them. Together, the three of them, it was magic. Then something happened. There was this fall. 
And as he would tell the stories, he would catch anyone, Jewish or otherwise, up on what's the story of the Old Testament. The constant theme for Paul would have been, God wants to be with his people. And it would crescendo in this moment of he's with us now, today. The Holy Spirit is in me and it's in you. Let's go. These would be the conversations that Paul and Aquila, Priscilla, you had Silas and Timothy into the mix. Now the stories just exponentially grow of God's activity in the world. These are the conversations they're having every night as they're sitting around the dinner table. The Holy Spirit is active, alive, and well. So, from here, after 18 months, after getting beat up, after going right back in and loving people and caring for people well, a little church gets established in Corinth. Just for giggles, we've been doing this a lot over these last few chapters. If you want to know a little bit more about the inner workings of that church, uh, there's some letters that Paul wrote to that church in Corinth, First and Second Corinthians. Um, and you can actually read that and hear what was happening with that particular group of people that they spent time with. But Paul left there and he took Aquila and Priscilla with him to go to a new town, a town that Paul hadn't been to yet, but a town that just a few chapters ago, Paul wanted to go to so bad. I mean, he just, he just had a fire in his bones about this place. It was a town called Ephesus. And we're going to pick up the story there. Again, this is Paul and, and Priscilla and Aquila going. It says this, Now, there came to Ephesus a Jew. So many Jewish people rolling around this story. A Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria. We've got an African on our hands. He was an eloquent man, well-versed in the scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with burning enthusiasm and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. And when he wished to cross over to Achaia, the believers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And on his arrival, he greatly helped those through grace that had become believers. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Messiah is Jesus. This is kind of one of those chunks of scripture where it can be like, okay, <laughs> chapter 19, let's keep rolling. There's a really odd moment, though, that happens in this. Did you catch it? As we get to know this, this guy, Apollos, he seems like a really cool guy. I mean, there's a lot here that you go, he's kind of doing the same things that Paul is doing. He rolls into town, he finds a local synagogue, he wants to talk to people about Jesus. Great. And for some reason, Aquila and Priscilla are catching wind of this, and they go to listen to him, they're like, man, this guy's awesome. We should probably, like, fix him. Because <laughs> he's, he's, not, he's not quite got it right. But I think if you're reading this, there can, I mean, you'd be well within your rights to go, well, what's wrong with what he's saying? He talks accurately about Jesus, and he knows the baptism of John. This would be John the Baptist. If you're like, is there something wrong with the baptism of John? Let me just catch you up to that. That's Matthew 3, and it's just a couple verses, but this is what John was doing, John the Baptist. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent, turn around, come home. Come home, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. Quill and Priscilla, for crying out loud, what's wrong with this? He's, he's telling people, come home. 
The kingdom of heaven has come near. If God's coming, make straight the paths in your life. Stop all this crooked stuff. And man, let's, let's get going. Get excited. It's happening. And we just get this really odd note. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Priscilla and Aquila heard him. They took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. What's missing? What's missing to the point that a couple of folks in the church are willing to pull aside the preacher and say, we need to take you to coffee. It's on us. We just want to point out some things. Which, by the way, in this church, you are more than welcome to pull me aside and say, hey, I've just got a thought about what you were saying. This happens all the time. It's beautiful. This is how work gets done in a church family. If I'm them, I'm hearing this talented young guy paint a picture of God the Father that is irresistible. I'm hearing him tell stories of Jesus that excite the imagination and then stop. It's this beautiful representation of a father-son duo who have worked out in the past and they're waiting to do something in the future. But the posture in the meantime is a posture of waiting. God has been active before. He came in the person of Jesus. Come home. Make the path straight because someday Jesus is coming back. That's the story that Apollos knew. If I'm Apollo, for all of my eloquence, I have this nagging wonder, if I'm him, about what's missing. Is this really all there is? Am I just invited to wait around? Do you ever feel that way in your spiritual life? In my life, this manifests by one of the screens, uh, one of the batteries on the touchscreen saying, something's running low, something's not... Battery's not included here. Just wait. Your role is just to hold still. There's just a nagging, like, there's got to be more. The kingdom of heaven, God, is not just past tense and future tense. He is a present tense reality. He is there now, in their midst. And not only that, but this God is personal. He cares. He loves people. He loves you. And his delight and desire for humanity is continuing to drive him to action. Priscilla and Aquila knew the Holy Spirit. They'd seen him in action. They'd heard the stories from Paul and Silas and Timothy. They were excited about what, was, what God was doing in and around them in the world. He was up to something. They pulled... Apollos aside to say, hey man, your, your message has no batteries. It's really beautiful. What you've got going on, man, there's some really good stuff there, but what it needs to actually get people where they're going and what it needs to get you where you're going, you need the Holy Spirit. And this was not a message, this is not a copy that I sense any ounce of shame or guilt or you should be doing it better but it was a moment of, oh man, you don't know the climax of the story, the best part. You've got all these great ingredients. We just have one last secret ingredient to add. God's in the world, and he's in you, and he makes this whole thing go not just past and future, but present tense. Do you want in? It seems to me from Paul's reaction that he is sitting across the table drooling, like, yes, this is what I've been longing for. There has been something in my spiritual life that just feels like waiting? Is that all there is? 
But now there's, there's an invitation to listen. There's an invitation to relationship. If, if God has this Holy Spirit, and if this Holy Spirit is, a, is alive and well, my daily rhythm is not to wake up and remember what's happened in the past and help people hope for the future. Actually, my top priority now has become I wake up in the morning and before my feet even hit the ground, the first things out of my mouth are, good morning, God. Beautiful day. What are we going to do today? And I think after 18 months with Paul and Silas and Timothy, three other dudes who every morning they woke up and it just seems like that was their posture. In fact, as we've gone through this book of Acts, it seems like Luke, who's the writer of this book, like that's his point. The main character in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit. The whole time he's been trying to help people understand, hey, chapter one, Jesus ascends to heaven. Okay, now let me help you learn how to live your life. Here's the batteries that you are intended to have as a human being. God is with you now. God is speaking to you now. It is not a one-sided conversation. The life you've been given is not a life of just waiting around. The life that you get to lead now is a life with God. Where are you suffering and filled with grief? God is with you. Where are you squinting your eyes going, is this all that there is? Know that God is next to you, with you. And the places where you're wondering, is there more? Am I doing this right or well? God is with you. This is the story of the book of Acts. And man, I just I have so much compassion for this guy, Apollos, because I can identify so well with him. I, I feel like in my story, the Holy Spirit was this member of the Trinity who was like the crazy uncle. Like, we don't talk about him. He's weird. He, he, he moved to New Zealand a few years back, and he has dreadlocks now. Like, we're, like don't, we don't talk about Uncle Holy Spirit. Father, Son, they're cool. Like, they live in the house with us. Have you grown up that way? Because if you have, I mean, Apollo grew up in that house, too. And man, just, there's such an invitation from Luke and from the book of Acts to go, that man, he completes the trio. This community of God, the essence of who God is, is community, it's relationship. The Holy Spirit is a part of that. And he's active right now here in you and in me. You can be with him. He's always perfectly with you. That's the story of what's going on. Man, this, this coffee must have just been electric between Priscilla and Aquila. So, for those of you that are followers of Jesus in the room today, what is the source of life for you? Do you find yourself saying, I have a past tense God and a future tense hope in Him, and now I'm just waiting? Or do you have a posture that says, it's here we are with God now. The baptism of John said that the kingdom of God is near. It's coming. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the kingdom of heaven is here. It may not be perfectly here yet, but it is here. Is that the life that you live? God is already perfectly present to us. How do you on a daily basis seek to be present back to him? 
And I want to just make sure I address one quick thing. I think that there are some of us that are followers of Jesus that will go through really difficult seasons spiritually where just hard things are happening. And there's just a really well-documented season of spiritual growth and maturity. Some people refer to it as the dark night of the soul. And it could be that if you're in a season in your spiritual life where you're just going, man, I just wonder if I have batteries right now. I thought I knew the Holy Spirit. I thought I was walking with God. But man, it just seems pretty dark right now. It seems pretty distant. I don't know what to do. Just know that if that's it for you, take heart. This is a stage in your development that likely means you're right on track and that God is moving you into a new place of intimacy and relationship with him. And if you're like, Holy Spirit, that's the weird one. That's the one I don't know very well. I just want to invite you to watch Apollos. He hears about this Holy Spirit, and he says, okay, where can I get some of this? <laughs> what, what do I need to do? And the beauty of the Holy Spirit is like, oh, you don't need to do it. Like, he's like here right now. Like, you just start paying attention to what he's up to. For those who are considering this Jesus, maybe you'd say, I'm not, I'm not like a follower of Jesus. I'm just checking things out. That's why I'm here on a Sunday morning. One thing I love about the story of God is that it makes sense. If he is a creator... He is the perfect thing that not only knows what gives us life, but is the only thing that can give us life. If love is one of the most real things in this world, no matter what you believe, that seems to be an undercurrent of belief. It makes sense that one of God's favorite things, something that speaks so clearly of what he is like, would be love. And it makes complete sense that because of that, God would not only give life from a distance, but that if he is love, that he would want to experience life right next to us, with us, so intrigued with who we are, fascinated by you, and inviting you to be fascinated by him. That's love. This is life. And you're invited to know that God today, like right now. It's both the most simple and beautifully deep thing you will ever begin. And it simply begins by saying yes, by leaning in, by listening and responding. And frankly, that's the invitation for all of us, no matter what you believe. The rhythm of Acts is the same thing with the characters over and over and over again. It's a posture of listen to God and what he's up to, and then join him there. And then listen to God and what he's up to, and join him there. This is the activity of the Holy Spirit. So no matter where you are, what might God be inviting you to today? Where is he? What's he saying to you? What's he saying to us? You're invited to listen to a God who is alive, batteries included. And if the point of life is to be fully alive, the invitation to return to what we were designed for is the invitation to a with God life. So this means we become aware of some things. We become aware of the fact, and would you agree that God is real? My head says yes. My heart is like, yeah, sometimes I believe that. That God is here? Yes. Ah, sometimes. That God is relational. I pray to him a lot. Do I talk with him much?
that God has something for you and for me today, now. Do you believe that? And there's lots of ways to listen. If you're like, man, this all sounds great, but like, how? What does this actually look like? I've got to think that Apollos was asking the same thing. If you're new to this, my second best recommendation is, man, find a mentor. I don't care how old you are. Find somebody who's a little bit further along the journey who you know, like they try to listen to the Holy Spirit and sit with them and ask them questions and listen with them as they listen. This is one of the great gifts that God gave us. It's called the church. So that's the second best one. Let me welcome out Daniel because I think the first best one is just to remember that he made you on purpose and he didn't make you deficient. You don't have a broken antenna. There's not some special red telephone that you get when you become a Christian where suddenly now you can talk to God in ways that you never, you've always had full access to him. So yes, a mentor is amazing, but man, the number one gift I have to give you is just the reminder you have direct access to the creator of all things. And he's interested in you, and he loves you, and he wants good for your life. You can talk to him right now. So there's lots of ways to do that, but I'm just going to give us a minute and a half to practice something that the church has been doing for centuries. It's a practice our Catholic friends would call this visio divina, but it's a moment where you might just engage a piece of artwork and sit with a question and just say, God, what do you have for me today? What is this showing me of you? This is not a time for your analytical brain to break down colors, <laughs> to movement, whether you like this piece of artwork or not. It is as if you're sitting down across the coffee table from a dear friend, and you're simply asking the question, what do you want to talk about? This just becomes the coffee table they're speaking across. So I'm going to give you a minute and a half. Um, Visio Divina is funny because most of the time it's these really beautiful, crazy pieces of artwork. This one I have for you today is almost cartoonish, but it's beautiful. And let's put that up on the screen there, Corb. I'll give you a minute and a half, but I'd love for you to sit with a couple of questions as you ask the Holy Spirit what he's up to today. What does this picture evoke in you? Playfulness? Companionship? Protection? Direction? What sticks out to you? The string? The dove? The seeming cadence of her steps? And the best question... What here may God be using to speak to you? What is he speaking to you today? A minute and a half. Enjoy your conversation.
the brevity and the length of a minute and a half. Pretty wild. If you're like, man, give me some more of that. It's available right now. <laughs> you just take it. You just go find time. Maybe one of the simple things from today that you walk away with is, I just need to like schedule into my calendar just like 15 minutes just to sit and listen. And if you're new to this, you're probably going to do it imperfectly. I just want to give you license that if you finish 15 minutes, you're like, man, that was frustrating. I feel like I just sat in my own thoughts for a while. You are right on track. Find a mentor. Continue listening. You are stretching a whole new set of spiritual muscles that your soul may never have tried out before. Keep going. Let me wrap up with a prayer. God, help us to see more clearly, to recognize your movement in our lives. Help us to be more sensitive to you so that we can know you, the real you. Not the you that maybe we grew up with that's condemning. Not the you that we're so afraid of. Not the you that's cold and distant. Not the you that seems aloof. Not the you that smacks of other relationships we've had with other people in power. The real you. Help us to continually become aware that you're here. We know that we can be so self-centered and forget to listen and watch for you but you're always perfectly present to us. And we just miss you so easily. Open our ears and our eyes and our hearts so that today we can know you, the real you. God, help us to see you more clearly. For those who are willing and able, let's stand and sing together.